I am an LA-based actor, uh, and I, I guess the qualifier, it's not a qualifier, a plus-size actor, a fat actor, and over, I don't know what you, word to use because I don't think of myself that, it's just not super relevant to my day-to-day life, which is kind of why I'm here. <laughs> um, I'm an actor who gets sent out for roles that they're open to being played by a not skinny person. Um, and so I wanted to talk about a little bit of that, mostly about one of the biggest, most pivotal roles I ever did, where that was relevant. And also there was some intimacy in it. And it's just a role that I um, was a huge thing for my career and uh, something that I come back to over and over again, especially now as the industry is sort of grappling with how to deal with um, actors and intimacy in more respectful, responsible, ethical ways. Anyway, so <laughs> this is sort of the evolution of where my brain has gotten to on this, which started with this role. So um, in 2005, I had been here for about 10 years. I was working a full-time executive assistant office job at a major studio doing mostly co-stars, um, you know, finding ways to leave for two hours to go to occasional auditions, which was very stressful. Uh, and I got an audition for a show called Nip Tuck, which had been on, it was in its third season. I had never seen it, um, but it was for a role. Each episode is named after a patient and it was the titular patient of that episode. And she's a patient who goes to see Christian Troy played by Julian McMahon and wants plastic surgery to be more attractive. She's unattractive. That's the setup. She's overweight. She's unattractive. And, uh, and the scene, I think the scenes that I got were the consultation where he makes her strip down to her brown panties and like circles everything that's wrong with her in red lipstick. And then there was a, like a post-surgery scene. There were a few scenes that were a little jarring. I'd never stripped down to my underwear before. Um, but this was in the days of, of sides getting faxed to you. So I didn't see everything. The breakdown said, basically, woman goes in wanting plastic surgery and has demeaning sex with Christian. That's all it said. And I said to my best friend at the time, oh, how bad could it be? And she was like, have you ever seen that show? <laughs> I said, no. Um, but it was a it was a guest lead role. I was super excited. I didn't go out for those a lot. So I went to the audition. I remember there were women of all shapes and sizes there. Um, it was an office I'd been trying and trying and trying to get into and imagined that they were like throwing darts at my head shut on the wall because I'd been trying for so long. Um, did the audition, left, got a callback, went back to the callback. And, and then the women were pretty much my size. I was probably 50 pounds lighter then. So I would, I would, you know, I don't know what I would call myself then either. I probably wore a size 10, whatever that means. Um, but I went into the callback and I, I did the performance. I think I was doing it really sort of depressed and self-loathing and they were sort of like, we kind of want her to be funny. I was like, oh, thank God. I'm so much more comfortable <laughs> doing that. So I did it again. They seemed to like what I did. They asked me if I had any questions for them. And I said, are you gonna do 
prosthetics? Are you going to pad me? Like, how are we going to show? So the, the character is going to have liposuction. I was like, how are we going to show the difference between the before and the after? And they said, the whole point is that there's nothing wrong with her. It's all in her head. It's about her self-loathing and his self-loathing and how these two people grappling with this internal internalized hatred, what happens when they come together? And I was like, okay, I really like that. That, that I can act, you know, that gives me something to do. So I went home, uh, tried to forget about it like one does after a callback. And then I think that night my agent called and said, I'll never forget it. You booked the role, but they want to make sure you're okay with the scene where you're on all fours and he's having sex with you from behind and you have a bag on your head. And I was like, the what? They had not sent me that scene and there was no mention of that. And I just froze. I, I mean, I, you know, so she said, I'll have them fax it to you. So they did. And I looked at it and I remember sitting down on my couch in my apartment where I live by myself and saying to myself, you have to decide right now if you love yourself the way you are. If you can do that, you can do this job. If you can't, you can't. And mostly because I really wanted to do the job, I was like, okay, I'm going to decide right now that I love myself exactly the way I am and we're going to do this thing. Uh, so, <laughs> so first of all, I had to leave my day job to go have a plaster cast made of my butt and lower half, which was hard to explain to my boss and a crazy, <laughs> a crazy experience. Uh, so I think Fox, yeah, it was an FX show. Fox now owns a plaster cast of my ass that it turns out they can use however they want. You may have seen it on other shows. <laughs> I may have seen it on other shows. We'll never know. So I did that. I went to the fitting. And um, so for the, the only modifications that they made for the pre-surgery and the post-surgery were that the pre-surgery bra and underwear were two sizes too small and incredibly unflattering, like white grandma underwear, which is terrifying for anybody in any body to think about wearing on TV. And I think I shared that with them. And we were, we were just, I'll never, you know, we were just talking in the fitting about the challenges of this role. I think they shared with me that everyone on the show was a little nervous about it because they didn't want it to be demeaning to the character or to the actor playing the character. Um, and they said, they said, let me tell you something. No one is more insecure about their body than a size two dancer. I think about that all the time, all the time. And PS, they're right. As I, you know, having worked a lot more jobs now, they're right. And that, makes me want to give them pep talks, but that's okay. Um, so we did the fitting. I think they brought me around to meet a few people on the show. I met Julian McMahon, who was super sweet. Um, I met, I don't know if I met the director at that time. I met the first AD. I met 
a bunch of people, all of whom were clearly nervous and invested in me being sane and comfortable and a reasonably confident person. I think they were all really worried that I was going to freak out. <laughs> um, so hope I think I felt reassured a little bit after that fitting. I think they felt hopefully a little bit reassured. Um, so then it came time to shoot it. You know, with these guest roles, you only have a few days. It's usually the week before that you find out you're doing it. So I went in. Um, the first scene we shot was the too tight underwear and marking me up with lipstick scene. And I had never, I had never taken my clothes off. I never thought anyone would ask me to take my clothes off on TV. I'm not, I do comedy. Like, why would anybody? Um, and I think it's a good thing that I didn't know what to be afraid of. I'd never done anything like this, so I didn't even know what to worry about. Um, in hindsight, it could have gone so badly. It could have been so traumatizing, and it wasn't because they were so good at taking care of me. They had nudity on that show every week with the series regulars and with Julian as much as anybody. So they had a lot of practice, although there are certainly shows that do nudity a lot that don't take good care of their actors. So that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But I mean, there was someone there with a robe right up until they yelled action and right back there with it as soon as they yelled cut to the point that by the time we were done just shooting that scene, I was like, it's, it's fine if I stand here for two seconds without the robe on. <laughs> I was kind of reassuring them. And Julian, thank God, was so sweet respectful, constantly checking in with me to make sure I was okay, lighthearted, didn't treat it like cancer, like he was just, like it was another day at work and he was happy to be there with me, which again, now that I've worked on a lot more shows is like such a gift and something you can never count on from a series regular on a show like that. Uh, so he's still, whenever he's on TV, I call him my TV boyfriend. He's still one of my favorite, favorite people. And I see him sometimes and we still do big hugs. Anyway, so we finished that scene. We kind of shot it pretty much in sequence. So over the course of the week, we continued to shoot the other stuff until we got to, I think the day before we shot the paper bag scene, the director, whose name is Michael Robin, pulled me aside and said, I just want to talk to you about what to expect tomorrow. Uh, we're going to do two setups. We're going to do maybe two or three takes in each setup. We're not going to do any, spend any more time on it than we need to. The set will be completely closed and locked down. There won't be anyone there who doesn't absolutely have to be there. If there's anything you need, let me know. I've done intimacy since then, and I've never gotten a talk like that from a director. There wasn't, I, there may have been intimacy coordinators then, which is kind of a, a, a thing that has come to the fore in the last few years since Me Too, um, in, as an appropriate way to manage intimacy on set. Um, but I imagine, and I've never worked with one, I imagine they kind of do what he did, which was let you know what to expect, get your informed consent, 
about what was going to happen and then monitor what was happening to make sure that's really how it goes. Um, we got there on the day and we it was shot from the side. And so we were both wearing, you know, I had like a little, basically it was a flesh, a pair of flesh colored underwear with the sides cut off, glued to me. And he had um, a little elastic, you know, he liked to call it the cock sock because it's more uh, manlier sounding than what they usually call it, which I can't remember. But so there's no like actual skin touching skin, uh, at least from the waist down. But I mean, it probably took 20 minutes to shoot. It was so quick. It was exactly what Michael said it was going to be. It was incredibly respectful. Again, after every take, before every take, Julian would check in with me and say, are you okay? Do you need anything? Am I doing anything you don't want me to do? I remember there was one take where a bead of sweat fell from his chin onto my lower back. And I was like, oh, that felt real. That was like, just sort of made me incredibly present to what I was doing because I think a part of my brain was trying to take me somewhere else. Not in a trauma way, just in a what in the hell, <laughs> what am I doing right now kind of way. Uh, and I had to be sobbing at the end of it, which was kind of harder than I, th I thought. Oh, that won't be a problem. But it was, I think, because some part of me was trying to protect me from being vulnerable and open to what we were doing, because it's at least at that point in the story traumatizing for the character. I'm so much more nervous about it in hindsight than I was at the time, because again, I didn't know what to be worried about. Thank God. Oh, and oh, I left out one of the best parts of the story. So that was probably day four might have been the last day of of a you know six or eight day shoot and by then i had gotten really close to the first ad whose name was dirk Kraft, who has since passed um he was the most wonderful person and at some point i think the day before i said i would like you to be off off set holding a flask of scotch when we shoot this scene i'm gonna cry i came in that morning before we shot that scene and there was a bottle of scotch and a dozen red roses in my trailer from Dirk. White roses, red would be creepy. They were white. And a little note that said, I got you. I'm crying because I miss him. And because it's so rare and special for a guest actor to be taken care of like that on a set, especially then, before we were really having any of these conversations. I was not, I was, I was not in a position to demand anything of them. I, and if I was, I wouldn't have known what to ask for. And that gesture made me feel so safe and so cared for and made me feel like they were listening to me and they really cared that I had a good experience. It was amazing. And then yeah, I think that's the last scene we shot because 
I remember the wardrobe. We had the, we had just gone on a date. This all happened after I had gone on a date with Jillian's character with Christian Troy. And I wore this black, beautiful black dress and these big black heels. And I remember wardrobe came in and they were like, here, take them home. We don't want them. You deserve them. Take them home. And, and I remember talking to casting maybe a week or two later. And they said, this is going to change your career. To Liz Dean at UDK. And she was right. It, 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 once it aired, it was the first time I'd ever felt famous. I remember in the week afterwards, going to brunch by myself and wearing a baseball cap and sunglasses because I didn't, I just didn't want to deal with it. And I was like, Oh God, I'm doing what celebrities do. Only now I understand it. I just want to have an omelet. I don't want to talk about this for an hour. I started going into auditions instead of doing what I was used to, which was having people not expect much of me and being able to pleasantly surprise them. I started going into auditions where people would say, this was in the days of in-person auditions. So you'd walk in, you know, to three or four producers or whatever. And the casting director would say, this is Rebecca. She's amazing. And I would be like, uh, I'm not about to be amazing. This writing is not amazing. Like it took me probably a year to adjust to having expectations. I was not comfortable with it. It, it took a, it was a real adjustment to, to go from being an actor that no one expected anyone, anything of to being an actor who people did expect something of, which it was a weird, surprising consequence of this whole thing. Uh, but I have to say, and again, in 2005, they never made me feel uncomfortable about what my body looked like. In hindsight, my body looked amazing. But at the time, of course, I was awkward about it and nervous about it and was playing a character who, you know, thought there was something wrong with her. But I never felt self-conscious on that set. They were so respectful and so responsible with, with every piece of it in a way that is remarkable given some of the things I've experienced since. Uh, it taught me what the standard should be. It taught me what it is fair to expect, even as a person who's only there for one episode or for one day. And then I shouldn't be willing to put up with being treated less respectfully than that. Um, and I guess, so I guess now when I read scripts in 2020 that start right off by focusing on what's wrong with a person's body, I want to say like, you know what, we were doing better than this 15 years ago. Let's do at least that well now. I've worked with that director a few times since, and he's still one of the absolute best in the business. 
I've seen Julian a few times since then, and he always gives me a great big flirty hug and kiss, which sounds gross, but is not at all gross, given what we went through. Uh, I haven't watched it in years. Because again, I think I'm more nervous for myself now than I was then. But it's, I, ta I talk to actors now who uh, I would go to auditions with them. We're in the same category. We see each other all the time. Who said, I turned that audition down. Um, which is super interesting to me because I've turned other things down. It's made me think a lot about what I'm willing to do. I totally understand why someone would turn that audition down. But for me, there, there was a story. There was a human being there. That it was dark and intimate for a reason. Whereas I won't do things where I'm the butt of the joke. I won't do things where it's a joke about someone who's unattractive or overweight or, and, and I, you know, not as much anymore, but I used to get a lot of those and I wouldn't do them. And those are things that those actors who turned Nip Tuck down will do happily. So it was also a lesson for me in drawing boundaries and in teaching me where my boundaries are uh, yeah, it's just kind of a, it's a weird thing to happily reminisce about because everyone assumes that it was a terrible traumatizing experience and it was actually one of the best onset experiences I've ever had. So anybody who's worried about me, it was great. <laughs> Don't worry, watch it without fear. I'm not going to watch it because it might make me sick to my stomach. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Speak LA, the podcast.